Gator Nation and welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators, your team every day. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, staff writer for the Lake City Reporter. What's up, Florida fans? Welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators. On today's show, we're going to recap Florida's 78-61 win last night on the road against Texas A&M with Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun. Graham and I will break down the game, what the Gators did well how they were able to get just their third road win of the season. And we'll also talk about where they go from now as they're back home Saturday against Vanderbilt. Graham, welcome back into another edition of Locked on Gators. How's it going, my friend? Zach, great to be here. Always my pleasure to be here and, and talk all things Florida basketball with you. You do a great job with every sport. I'm always learning something when I listen to what you and a guest have to bring. So my pleasure to be one of those guys and talk all things Florida basketball with you today, my man. Yeah, absolutely. And as I think as we went to last night's game, Florida needed it really bad. Texas A&M needed it really bad, but the Gators prevailed in the second half and was close throughout. But Andrew Nemhard and Noah Locke lead the way We'll talk a lot about this game and what the Gators did well, but just what are your overall thoughts on, on how Florida was able to perform against the Aggies? Well, it really kind of spoke to what I've been saying all season long, that without a real clear front runner in the SEC and a lot of depth across the board, I think that a lot of people, they may realize or they still forget that a lot of these teams are recruiting the same players and getting four-star caliber guys and developing players and the transfer portal, which we talk about all the time, the ability to transfer in and out of programs. Programs like Alabama are getting former number one top recruits, five-star guys. That didn't happen 10 years, 15 years ago, especially not at the rate that it's happening right now. And it really leads me to my point that every game in the SEC is kind of a crapshoot sack. It could go either way. You could see Vanderbilt beat LSU, the, the worst team in the SEC beat the best team. You could see routes every single night you can see florida losing at missouri and then as i posted last night they kind of got a lot of people talking about how crazy the season really is you can see double digit losses to a team that beat a team you just beat by double digit points it is something different every single night the expectation for any team in the power six right now should be just to make the tournament there's 64 spots so many shoe wins and then I just mentioned Power 6. That's 80 teams right there. So a lot of teams are not going to make it. Florida wants to be one of those teams. And if if they're going to do it, they're going to have to rely on a whole bunch of underclassmen, as we've seen all season long. But last night's game, a 17-point win at Texas A&M, really spoke to how good Florida can be when they do play as a team and when all their young pieces and then Kerry Blackshear Jr., the transfer, are working cohesively. 55 of their 78 points came from that trio of sophomores, which we talked a lot about this. The shiny new pieces in Blackshear and Scotty Lewis and Trey Mann, that had a lot of the excitement. But if this team was going to win games, they needed those sophomores to contribute. And we saw that last night, that if those guys contribute, if Andrew Nemhard is passing the way he is and avoiding turnovers, that's been a huge thing uh, for this Florida team is, is making sure that they avoid turnovers because they have such a slow pace of play they get few possessions or less yeah. possessions than every other team so that was a huge thing uh against the Aggies when those guys are on and Noah Locke is hitting shots and Keontae Johnson is giving you that night in and night out consistency and defending one through four and everything else that he brings to this team the Gators are really really good unfortunately they haven't found a way to do that consistently if they can get Keontae Johnson's 
consistency to become a team-wide thing, the Gators could be very, very dangerous, even though they have a very difficult slate here coming up, have to play Kentucky twice at Tennessee, at Georgia, LSU again. It's going to be very tough for Florida, so they picked up a much-needed win uh, last night, Zach. Yeah, Andrew Nemhard led the way with 24 points in another game where he's gotten into 20-point figures, but coming off of a performance against Ole Miss where he only had five points, and that, I think, speaks to the inconsistency that you're talking about. We heard from Mike White this week, uh, another press conference where he had to field questions about the inconsistencies with his team and trying to find answers for this group of players. You had a question to Mike about just the in-season evaluations and how they're always kind of looking at themselves in the mirror, finding ways that they can get better. What was your take on how they came into this game against Texas A&M and maybe learn from some of their losses especially the last one at Ole Miss. I thought their scouting of the Aggies was much better than how they scouted the Rebels. Um, although I must say that no matter what a team does to try and stop Berea and Tyree from scoring, it seems like he's going to go get his. Florida fans can take a little bit of solace in the fact that after he tore up the Gators for, what, 27 points, he went out and then dropped 40 points on their rival, Mississippi State. So that guy is on an absolute tear right now. And, well, and remember... The game before, he was coming off a 38-point performance. Exactly. And, and you know, anyone thinking, especially a Florida fan, thinking that that game was going to be an automatic victory because the Gators had beat Ole Miss by 16 points in the beginning of SEC play, they definitely underestimated Tyree. So yeah, I, he wasn't there. I mean, I think Mike White will always go back and uh, maybe thank Tyree for not playing in that game so he could get his 100th career win. Exactly. Because it probably wouldn't have happened if he played. That's a good point, Zach. You know, Mike White getting his 100th win against, against his, his alma mater, yeah. where their best player, who's actually the SEC's active leading scorer, Brian Tyree, is. Uh, that's huge for Florida, but you can you saw how good uh, Kermit Davis's team can be when Brian Tyree and Kadeem C are in that game. You know, you brought up Andrew Nemhard. A big reason the Rebels were able to seize momentum there in the second half was because Andrew Nemhard turned his ankle in the first half in Oxford, didn't think he was going to play the second half, missed Monday's practice, missed Tuesday's practice, was able to go in shoot around before Wednesday's game against Texas A&M, was a game time decision, and then he ends up giving you 24 points and hits, you know, nine of 11 shots, five assists. I mean, it's like the guy wasn't even hurt. How often are you going to get that every single night, especially coming off a, a an ankle turn, sprain, whatever you want to call it? Andrew Nemhart showed his toughness, and anyone out there saying that he's just a slow point guard, I think he has proven them uh, wrong because, you know, Florida's, what, 11 SEC games now. He scored 20-plus points in four of those. That You know, compare that to last year. He's obviously taking yeah. more of a scoring load for this team as guys like Noah Locke um, and Trey Mann and Kerry Blackshear at times have seen dips in terms of their production for various reasons. Andrew Nemhard has stepped right back in there along with Keontae Johnson, who has had a lot of 20-point performances as well and, and had 10, 10, and 6 last night, that consistency I was speaking of. So, it, it, like I said, it just gives further credence to the fact that if Florida's going to make a run here in March, those sophomores are going to have to be at their game. And, and if they're anything like they were last night, Zach, Florida fans may uh, want to get behind this team sooner than later. No doubt. When I spoke to Mike White after Noah Locke set the school record for most consecutive games with multiple three-pointers made, I asked Mike White about Locke's streak about his performance that night. I can't remember who they played. But Mike White said 
that, and I don't know if many people would think this, but Mike White said that Noah Locke brings the swagger to our team. He is a guy that when he is out there hitting shots and turning around and looking at our bench and he's strutting out there on the floor because he knows he's hot from beyond the arc, we need that swagger on our team. And when he's not providing that for us, we're not the same. And I think that when you think about this Florida Gators team and who is bringing the leadership, who is bringing the swagger, who is getting them going, most fans probably don't think of Noah Locke. They probably think of Andrew Nemhard. They probably think of Kerry Blackshear, maybe even Scotty Lewis or Keontae Johnson. Definitely not Noah Locke. He definitely had his swag going last night in, in College Station. What do you think about that point that Mike White made about Locke? Because when he is th hitting threes the way that he did last night, not only is Florida hard to beat, but I think that the players do play with confidence because he's out there draining them. Yeah, also because, you know, that's a great point that you mentioned. And often Noah is the end result of a very good offensive series. And those three-point shots can come off of ball screen action and swinging it from the corner and just making basketball look very pretty at times. And that's the cherry on top when Noah Locke hits that shot. And so often we look at basketball through the lens of missed shots and made shots that it often can, I guess not, you don't give the fair credit to when a set is run extremely well. If it results in a missed basket, everyone yeah. just looks at the end result. When Noah Locke hits those shots, it gives Florida confidence in their offense that they should continue to move the ball and swing it and make the extra pass yeah. and screen away from the man and, and talk and be excited because they're seeing it pay off. When those shots aren't going in, Florida has shown a tendency, and Mike White has talked about this through immaturity and, and used words like immaturity and we're not cool and collected. Yeah, just temperamental, stuff like that. To say that when those shots don't go in, Florida's mood gets affected and, and then they therefore don't have the confidence to make the extra pass because they see what is the point if it's going to result in a missed basket anyway. And the players might feel like, if okay, well, if this is a night where Locke isn't feeling it, then we're really in for What can I do? You know, he's yeah. a better shooter than me. If he's not hitting him, I'm not going to be able to hit him. Sure. And that stuff, that pessimistic glass half empty mindset is something that Mike White, through various means, through let's be honest, public criticism, uh, team meetings. We've talked about the peer regulatory committee, um, having guys like Blackshear, the sophomores, speak a message and say, hey, we trust you to take a shot. Don't worry if you miss it. You know, positive reinforcement, whatever it is. Florida has been searching for that more consistently, which is that confidence and the ability to also write off. Uh, and I, some guys call it shooter's amnesia, but let's call it uh, set amnesia in a sense. When a set does not result in a made basket, it doesn't mean that the set was poor, that you didn't run it correctly or that you shouldn't run it correctly the next time. And and this coaching staff is still finding ways to get that to register for guys, at least on a more, you know, for 35, 40 minutes. And I think against the Aggies, they did that relatively well. A lot of things that had undone Florida in past games, they did well. They were only up by three points uh, at halftime and locked down on defense, and they played a little more zone defense if you watch that game than I think uh, than they've done recently. And maybe that was because they figured something out in that Georgia game, the way that they were able to come back through the use of the 3-2 of the zone. Using that moving forward will be an interesting thing to watch, but if Florida can keep their offensive confidence high when they're not hitting shots, this team is going to be very, very solid because, Zach, you noted this, this, you noted this right as we started. Florida 
is being much better at chasing rebounds on the offensive end. And you're actually seeing more possessions. I noted that they had few possessions, um, one of the fewest possessions in the SEC, but they've definitely improved on that aspect as their guards and, and guys like Keontae Johnson have chased rebounds at a higher yeah. rate. I mean, 14 offensive rebounds against Texas A&M, and they only had 11 defensive rebounds. So. And they gave up a lot of size there, too. They did. Um, one more thing on Noah Locke, because now he moves into uh, UF's all-time top 10 with another three-pointer made. He had five against the Aggies. You've been around Florida basketball for a long time. You've seen a lot of shooters. His career here is not done, but where where do you rank Locke in terms of some of the best three-pointers we've ever seen here put on a Gator uniform? I mean, and also with what you might know in terms of what he's been able to accomplish despite not being 100%. Yeah, you know, I, I think that to speak in general terms, I think that this time of year, you get into February – it's easy to say everyone's dealing with something and often that can discount when guys are really seriously hurt and playing through it. And often it can be an excuse for guys who are healthier than many others, but you know, they want maybe a reason to blame the fatigue for their production. That is not the case with several Gators. Uh, you know, without really getting into specifics, I mentioned Andrew Nemhard playing through the turned ankle. Keontae Johnson has, dealt with his own various injuries just through wear and tear that he needs to rest through probably after the season. And Noah Locke as well, a guy who in the offseason kept shooting, had to do a little bit of rehab for a minor injury last season. It was reported on if you want to go out there and look it up. Um, and, and still may have to be something that has to be looked at in the offseason that maybe people don't realize how much he, pain he is playing through or stiffness, whatever word you want to call it. I think that, but still knocking down five three pointers and scoring twenty one points. Why, that's why it's it's so great to note because it's not as cut and dry as he's out there. He's one hundred percent healthy, so he should have similar production to last year when he hit eighty three threes as a freshman. The fact that he is on track or right below that track in terms of three points and and still um, is fighting through a lot of things, I, I think, is a credit to to this team and and I just think that's worth noting because. So many people say, oh, if he's not shooting, you know, why isn't Trey Mann playing or or why isn't Trey Mann playing more or why, you know, and I see this one more than anything, is why is Noah Locke told to stand in the corner? Well, as you saw against the Aggies, when the ball moves well, it doesn't matter if he's hitting the shots like that. But maybe there's a little more to it than, than some people think. And Florida here is gearing up for a postseason run and, and the health of all of their players is just as much of a priority on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, then a lot of the other things out there, game plan, execution, multiple uh, scouting the other team, yeah. getting their, their guys healthy and available. And sometimes, and, and maybe I don't want anyone to skew this or take my words out of context, but sometimes as a head coach, it's important not to run your guys into the ground for three hours of that window and to Especially if you them. know they're hurt. Especially, and especially if you know that they're hurt because that won't behoove you come game day because guys are more tired and fighting through more stuff. A lot of it right now in February is about finding the right balance between preservation and push for the final stretch. And Florida right now, I think is finding that balance right now, but it is a delicate one that can fall uh, out of balance at any moment, Zach. Yeah, absolutely. As we move forward into their next matchup against Vanderbilt, 
What do you make of where this team is at at this point in the season as they try to lock up their NCAA tournament bid, maybe try to improve their seeding if they can get some more quality wins here down the stretch, but most importantly, find the consistency in their performance that they've not shown throughout the year. Yeah, that's why that last game was so important because you look at the upcoming schedule, I think that this is probably the least favorable stretch in Florida season outside of that three-game spurt that saw them play LSU, Auburn, and number one, Baylor. How did Florida beat Auburn by 22 points, that, man? You know, that's, that game still got you scratching your head. It's why people still have uh, calls for Omar Payne to be playing serious minutes just because of his physicality, but there's a lot more to it than that if you went back and watched the game. That, that was probably the worst stretch Auburn basketball has seen in the last two years, and and Florida got, I think, extremely lucky gift there, which if that game ends up putting them in the tournament, if they're on the bubble, Florida fans have to be extremely happy. You look at this schedule, though, you got to play Kentucky twice, a team that just beat Tennessee by double digits. You have to play LSU again at home. You have to go to Tennessee, a, a place that is extremely tough to play, and a Rick Barnes team that is very unpredictable. They're kind of like Florida in one night that they look really, really good, and the other night they can't get it together. So, again, a crapshoot, like I mentioned earlier. You really do not know. And then I've said this also. Arkansas, after this Saturday game where Florida, we haven't even mentioned this, Zach, even though everyone out there does know, Saturday against Vanderbilt at halftime, Florida will uh, honor former coach Billy Donovan with the naming of the court. Uh, if Florida doesn't win that game, that game and then the Arkansas game, those are really two of, I think, the only quote-unquote guaranteed victories left on the schedule because of their seven games you know they have to go to at georgia in the second last game kentucky twice like i said you do not want to play lsu edwards, man. tennessee oh. and then the dark horse i think yeah edwards in athens Good Lord. imagine i mean that, that kid had a rough game at, against south carolina the other night where he couldn't seem to find uh the three-point range even though he had no problem hitting one foot fadeaways against the gators uh a few weeks ago and then I think the other one that I mentioned after Vanderbilt is Arkansas. And that's a that's a very, very, I think, tough, tougher game than many people realize. Coach Musselman there at Arkansas has done a really, really good job with that team in terms of what they had to overcome. That is no guaranteed victory for Florida in any sense. So you look at after this Vanderbilt game, the final six games remaining on the schedule, it is a possibility that Florida finishes with a losing record in those games. When you look at the three road contests, Kentucky twice, who is ranked number 12 in the country, LSU, who top of the SEC as well, right behind Kentucky. I mean, Florida had to pick up the victories when they could. And, and if they're sitting there with 16 victories and 16 and nine after uh, the Vanderbilt and the Arkansas game, they have to be very, very glad that they got those because they yeah. don't have a guaranteed win the rest of the way, Zach. Definitely. Well, we found out the spring football practice dates for the Gators this week as uh, that will open up on March 16th, right around the corner, Graham. It feels like the 2019 season just ended and we're already getting ready for 2020. As we look ahead to next month, never too far away to look ahead, what are you looking forward to spring ball the most? When you get out there on the practice field, we get to take in some open practices what are you going to be looking for? Oh, that's a good one. You know, I, I'm very interested in the wide receiver battle. I think that there's multiple candidates that right there I think could make that leap. I mean, Trayvon Grimes, obviously. We're going to be looking at Jacob Copeland, uh, Kadarius Toney. Can any of those guys make that leap? I, I think that Florida really lacks 
a true deep threat right now or an established one. And for this offense to take that leap and, and Kyle Trask, if he is going to be the starting quarterback, you know, obviously that's another thing to watch the starting quarterback battle, but Florida at the wide receiver position, I think that they have a lot of work to do there, even a little bit more so than the running back position. I'm very interested to see how that shakes out because I think we are going to see a little bit of a drop off, a noticeable drop off in terms of production. And I've said this before, I think many people underappreciated guys like Freddie Swain and Josh Hammond just yeah. because of their consistency in knowing the offense, telling other guys where to go, their and organization. Providing Florida with depth and multiple weapons to where you're not just relying on your top three, four receivers. Like Absolutely. They had six, seven deep of guys that they could go to. And now, like you mentioned, Grimes, Copeland, and Tony, those guys stay healthy and those are your starting receivers. You're really looking good with your top three. But after that, if Shorter doesn't get an immediate waiver, you're really – got your hands up in there wondering how that's going to shake out. So I think that's why that competition in the spring is so important because those guys that now have an opportunity to get more reps, they have to step up uh, because I think Kyle Trask, he had the luxury of having that many weapons last year. And if he doesn't have that in 2020, you don't want the passing game and the offense to suffer as a result. So Absolutely. That's a good mention. You know, I brought up Freddie Swain because when I said underappreciated, because not only – consistency at wide receiver but Florida fans whether they want <clears throat> to admit this or remember it or not but the team has had issues at returner punt returner the last few years and Freddie Swain kind of stabilized that position after Antonio Callaway's drop-offs and then even in the Miami game in the season opener Florida what I think muffed a, a punt return yep. and had a, several punt return fumbles that is a huge position for Florida because people have seen how that can change a game and, and finding the next guy who can lock down that spot is not something that I think anyone can discount at this time right now, because those are things that sway ball games. I think you and I were watching the national championship game when we saw someone, you know, a five-star guy on Clemson muff a punt and, and that stuff happens year round and it can change games. So this is the time where you want to start finding that next guy so that they can spend all summer practicing that and knowing what their role is going to be. Cause Florida has a few roles to figure out that I think a lot of people don't look at right now and if they want to make that leap to inside the top eight and, and compete for an sec championship this is the time to start finding out your depth of wide receiver rather than picking your starters because depth is what's going to determine you in november definitely and obviously things on the defensive side to look forward to uh, as we get closer to spring football we'll continue to preview all those things but that'll do it for the latest edition of locked on gators appreciate graham for joining us to recap the Gators win over Texas A&M. On tomorrow's show, we'll be joined by Mark Wise to preview Florida's game against Vanderbilt and get Mark's thoughts on the Gators naming the court after Billy Donovan on Saturday. Make sure you stay tuned to Locked on Gators, your team every day.